Welcome to Mule Mountain Messages, encouraging words from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. If you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you to come and join us. Our services are at 10.30 on Sunday and prayer at 5.30 on Wednesdays. The Lord has come. The Lord is coming. We're in that time of year known as in the church calendar as Advent, which means arrival or coming. So we are going to examine the implications of Jesus' first coming and his promised second coming and how reflecting on both of these can give us hope, peace, joy, and love in this uncertain and turbulent time. So Merry Christmas. And by the way, 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, we'll be having our annual Christmas Eve service. And we'd love to invite you to come. Blessings to all and Merry Christmas. Did you know there's a complete catalog of the gifts in the old Christmas carol, 12 Days of Christmas, and that the chief economist by the name of J. Patrick Bradley broke down all the figures sometime back and said what it would cost to actually have those 12 gifts for Christmas. So... One partridge in a pear tree would be $27.48. Partridge, $15. A pear tree, $12.48. Two turtle doves, $50. Three French hens, $15. Four calling birds, $280. Five gold rings, $600. Six geese a laying, $150. Seven swans a swimming, $7,000. Eight maids of milking, $30.40. Nine ladies dancing, $2,417.90. Ten lords a-leaping, $2,686.56. Though I don't know where you'd buy a leaping lord, however. Eleven pipers piping, $947.70. And twelve drummers drumming, $1,026.68. For a grand total of fifteen thousand. dollars $231.72. Hmm. Well, I don't think I'll be buying those anytime soon. Well, good morning. It's uh, been an interesting day. But uh, as we look back at last week, uh, and as I said last week, we are in the time of the Christian year that we call Advent, which comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming or arrival. During this time, we remember and reflect on Jesus' first coming and what it means for us now. We also look forward to his second coming, <clears throat> look, looking forward in full assurance and hope of it happening. And why do we have that full assurance? Why do we have that hope? Because for he came the first time, and at that time, he promised he would come again. Jesus told us in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I encouraged everyone last week to really meditate and think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, for you, and for me. And when we meditate on it, 
hopefully we'll come to realize what a truly momentous sacrifice that was. And it was all motivated solely by His love for you and me. We look back and remember, but we can also look at the present and reflect. <clears throat> reflect on what Jesus Jesus' coming means for us today, right now. We looked last week at the peace, that true inner peace that we can have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, he gives a peace that's deeper than, and more assured and more long-lasting than anything the world could provide. And in addition to the peace we can have, we can have hope, a hope that a life in Christ can bring. Listen to what Paul tells us in Romans. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. That scripture pretty much sums up Advent. It has all the themes of Advent. It has uh, peace and love and joy and um, hope. But let's break this scripture down. It says, therefore, since we've been made, in right, made right in God's sight by faith. That means we've received Jesus. We have become and chosen to become followers of Jesus Christ. We have made Him Lord of our life. We have surrendered our life to Him and His Word and follow His Word, the Bible. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So in that part, it says, Ever since the Garden of Eden, we have been at enmity with God. Mankind has been at odds with God. But because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be anymore. If we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we can have peace with God. We have peace with ourselves. Peace. It goes on to say, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and where we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Christian privilege. That's our privilege as a believer in Jesus Christ. That only through Christ, and it's only through Christ, we didn't earn it or work for it. Because of our faith, it has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We have standing with God. 
It goes on to say, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We have a true hope, rooted and fulfilled by God's love and grace towards us. So we can have peace, we have hope, and through it all we can have joy. Joy even in difficult times, when we run into problems and trials. And we may not be happy, but we can rejoice. We can do that because really joy is different from happiness. Joy is that deep-seated contentment. Happy is more of an emotion based on circumstances. Get a new car, we're happy. At least till the new car smells, wears off. Uh, relationships. You know, the young men pining for the young ladies and the young girls pining after the right guy. And if I just had him, I'd be happy. Or... Lots of money and you'll be happy. Or happy if I have the right job. Or happy, search for happiness can also unfortunately lead to alcohol or substance abuse. Chasing that high, that right high for satisfaction. That's happiness, but joy transcends circumstances. Listen to how Billy Graham described the difference. Billy Graham said, many people think that being happy and being joyful are the same thing. But there is a difference. We experience a sense of happiness when our circumstances are pleasant and we're relatively free from troubles. The problem, however, is that this kind of happiness is fleeting and superficial. When circumstances change, as they inevitably do, then this kind of happiness evaporates like the early morning fog in the heat of the sun. Even when our outward circumstances are seemingly ideal, we still may be troubled inside by a nagging hunger or longing for something we cannot identify. We say we're happy, but down inside we know it's only temporary and shallow at best. Even from time to time, we may think we have found a degree of happiness, but it eventually vanishes. The kind of happiness that lasting is an inner joy and peace which endures in any circumstance no matter what comes our way. It may even grow stronger in adversity. This is the kind of happiness to which Jesus summons us in his sermon of the Beatitudes. He alone has the answer to our search for lasting happiness. He who heeds the word of God wisely will find good. Happy is he. That's Proverbs 16.20. Billy Graham goes on to say, Such happiness for which our souls ache is one undisturbed by success or failure, one that dwells deep within us and gives us an inward contentment, even in despairing circumstances. It needs no outward stimulus. Count it all joy, the Bible says, when you fall into various trials. James 1.2 Because happy is the person who has learned the secret of being content with whatever life brings, and then to share this secret with others who need encouragement. That's Billy Graham's uh, take on the two. 
Now, in our reading today in the New Testament, we read Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 9. And we're told to be always full of the joy of the Lord, which is our theme for this week of Advent, joy. And so much so, he, he wants us to have that so that Paul says it twice. And this scripture, if you will, gives us a roadmap on how, always, on how to always have that joy. So let me read the scripture for you. It's Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure, and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are or think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's break that down. And it is, if you if you will, a roadmap on, all, on how to have that inner joy, that inner peace. First he says, be considerate, thinking of others. You know, there's a healing and a comfort that comes when you're considerate of others, when you think more of others than you think of yourselves. It's scriptural. It takes your mind off yourself and puts it on others, puts it on God, and all of a sudden, when you think of others, your, your, your problems don't seem quite as much. goes on to say that, remember, so we have be considerate, think of others. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It helps to know that what we're going through is only temporary, that God will, that Jesus will return. He will come back. And, and, and then, like it says, every tear will be wiped away. goes on to say, this is in chapter 6, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You know, when we pray, when you pray, again, your mind is off of you and it turns to God. And God is the one who can take care of whatever it is you're dealing with. So instead of dwelling on issues, pray about it. Turn it over to God. God is sovereign and He loves you. He'll take care of it. Tell God what you need. God knows, but sharing the burden is part of the process of having that joy. That now you've given, in essence, the problem to God for Him to solve. You've taken it off your shoulders and you put it on his shoulders where it needs to be. And honestly, if you want to be honest and radical about things, that means you don't have to worry about it anymore. God has it. That's why he said, don't worry about anything. Give it to God. We want to hold on to that. We want to just, it's hard for us to let it go. 
But the radical part is letting it go and letting God deal with it and trusting in Him that it's going to be okay. Thank God for what He's done. It says, thank Him for what He has done. You know, God is always working. And we know that God has done amazing things in our lives. Including the most amazing thing of coming on a rescue mission about 2,000 plus years ago to redeem mankind, to redeem us, to redeem me from our sins, from my sins. You know, thank Him. Thank Him for what He's done. Focus on what He's done. You know, it's like the old saying, uh, don't focus on what you don't have, but be thankful for what you do have. It says, then you will experience peace. And with peace comes contentment and joy. Peace. We long for peace. We want peace in our hearts. And this is how we can have it. Then it says here, this is important. goes on to say, live in Christ. That's the end of chapter, or verse 7. Live in Christ. Here's the rub then. We need to live Jesus' way. Live His way according to His word. You know, too often we want to go our own way. We want to live our own way. We want to live according to our own purposes. Then we expect God to jump on board and bless us. But it doesn't work that way. We can have peace, hope, and joy as we live in Christ Jesus. So we have to go His way. It means we have to, as Jesus said, deny ourselves and follow Him. And the thing is, is that we're not losing anything. It's always better with Christ. Then to kind of wrap things up, so to speak, Paul gives us a couple more reminders, two more life tips, two more tools to put in your tool belt. First one, it says, place is placing your rights, your thoughts on the right thing. He goes on to say, hey, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, whatever things that are excellent and worthy of praise, think on these things. Now, of course, the Bible and Christ fits all those things. So we want to be thinking on God's Word. We want to be thinking and reading and knowing God's Word. But even in our lives, we think of those things that are honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Your attitude and your thoughts will change. And you'll have a better countenance. And you'll have that peace. You know, if we think of negative things, then that's going to show in our countenance. If we're always watching negative TV shows or listening to negative radio, you know, I can tell it in myself. If I listen to too much political radio, then it, then my heart starts getting a little hard and I have to stop. Because I'm putting the wrong thing. I'm not thinking on things that are pure and lovely and right and admirable. How we think and what we think about affects our attitude. I have a sign in my classroom at school. It says, attitude is important. Pick a good one. And so we need to pick one that is thinking of true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the second tool that Paul gives us to put in our toolboxes, he says everything that we've talked about. In other words, practice it. Do it. The more you do something, the easier it is to do. Put it in the practice. 
Don't just think about it. Put it to work. Be doers of God's word, not just hearers. Now you can tell easily by reading God's word that he desires his children, those of us who have given our lives to him, to be at peace, to be full of an assured hope, and to be joyful. He don't want any Christians out there look like they're sucking on lemons all day. He wants us to be joyful. And the only thing that gets in our way is us. So I pray this Advent season that we will all reorient our hearts towards God through Jesus Christ and live in that peace, hope, and joy that only He can provide. Amen and be blessed everybody. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds and knowledge and love of God and of His Son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Now let us go forth in the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.